Hey everyone, you're now part of the B2B Power Hour. I'm your host, Nicholas Thicket. And I'm Morgan Smith. Here we dive into a world dominated by outdated playbooks and old school tactics to compare the B2B companies that are achieving sales at scale and making real money in the process. Join us for weekly interviews and live shows with industry experts and senior leaders diving into the go-to-market strategies that built their success. Now, on to today's episode. Morgan, how's it going? Oh, good morning, Nicholas. Welcome to the B2B Power Hour. It is Friday morning, and we're here to do LinkedIn. Morgan, what what is the B2B Power Hour? What the B2B what are, Power Hour? What do we specialize here? What is the B2B Power Hour? It's a great question. We're in good spirits this morning. The B2B Power Hour. <laughs> we practice this. Come on. I believe in you. <laughs> oh, good morning, everyone. The B2B Power Hour is an hour-long workshop for people to upgrade their, their sales skills. Well, yeah, I mean... To pitch slap better, obviously, right? Obviously. This is what we're on. We, we, we're masters in the Celtic arts of pitch slapping on LinkedIn. So good morning, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> we're going to master the mystic arts like Dr. Strange. Everyone get their sling rings on. We're going to tell you how to pitch slap everybody on LinkedIn and how to, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fizzle, fizzle, done. <laughs> And it's so, April guys, 1st. <laughs> it's April 1st, so we're going to be doing April Fools this whole time, and we're going to go and myth bust with all of you. So if you have a myth that has been bugging the hell out of you, throw it in the comments, because we got a healthy list, but we'd love to add you to it. Yes. Like the generational sequence, and the volume equation, and the hyper-personalized, hyper-irrelevant. <laughs> Plus a whole lot more. So if you can think of anything, throw it in the throw comments. Throw it in the chat. And, We'd love uh, to see it. Yeah, Mostly I because, I, honestly, this is like, I, we, I'll, can we do a full disclosure up front? I feel this is important for people who are going to listen to the podcast version after this. We spent a long time debating whether we would do a sarcastic like on-brand episode where we would train people how to do pitch slapping and how to do poor outbound sequences. And we realized that that may be too on the nose. So instead, <laughs> in the spirit of April Fools, we're going to talk a lot about um, myths in LinkedIn outreach and how to build pipeline on LinkedIn and how all the things, you know, how, how people are screwing it up all of the time and have some fun along the way. So um, Cold FaceTime. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Chris. Hi, David. Hi, Jeffrey. Hi, Frankie. Thanks for joining this morning. And everybody else is here. That's to me on LinkedIn the other day. Oh, you got new, cold FaceTimed? Like, you know how they went and integrated the new Microsoft feature so you can actually like do a Zoom, like a, a Teams call, basically? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody do that and they're like, <laughs> it reminded me of that thing. Is it a good time to go and talk about your... Who the hell are you and why are you in my DMs? My favorite part about those calls is that I have a used car from 1999, so I definitely don't have an extended warranty. (laughs) That would be that would be one hell of an extended (laughs) warranty. (laughs) Oh my gosh! All right, 
So, oh, good morning, Tiffany, good morning, Rob, good and everybody else who's joining. So let's start with the big myth, the big kahuna. LinkedIn is a volume game. You just got to send DMs, Nicholas. That's how you build pipeline on LinkedIn. You just send more DMs. DM that, DM this, DM them. It makes me think of like somebody's getting their hunting license and they're like, why are you buying an assault rifle? <laughs> well, just in case I missed the first 12 freaking times, of course. <laughs> like, you know, go to a police and like get a sniper and he's like, I do a three shot. Yeah, like what? <laughs> No, it's a it's a volume game, Morgan. It's a volume game. Volume game. You know, no as collateral long as... damage doesn't matter in this scenario. <laughs> Even if we just, oh my gosh! Even if we just, uh, uh, the problem with using a weapon like that is that your meat is unusable. <laughs> it's just you can't get anything out of it, and people think that the way. For people to use LinkedIn, the way sales teams should be using LinkedIn is they strap on some automation sequencer. I just got pitched two different ones this week. Try and avoid LinkedIn's hardcore rules now about automation to send connection requests and spam the hell out of people. It's just like not a good idea. If you want to spam me, I would more than happily report your ass and get you taken off LinkedIn permanently. So please go ahead. Yeah, like, good luck with that. But Nick, let's talk about like why. Why is this a bad idea? Yeah, I think it, I think it's really important when you think about what. How does it? How does it make you feel, Morgan? But it really is. How does it lead into a good conversation? If if you feel like it's not for you, I don't care how fluffy and wonderful and like all these rainbows that you made it. It it also depends on who you're talking to. <clears throat> so to earn trust, you have to show that there's something like they're, they're asking every time you reach out to them, who are you? What do you want? And why do I care? Yep. Everybody loves the answer. The first two, most people miss the last one. And that's where the substance comes from. <clears throat> doesn't matter if it's a comment, if it's a DM or if it's an invite, what's in it for them. It could be friendship. It could be learning that's okay. It doesn't have to necessarily be money, but you have to be very clear on what the ask is. And when you're doing this automation play, <clears throat> you're saying you're a walking wallet. I would love to get into it. And cha-ching, cha-ching. Cha-ching, baby. That's, how else are you supposed to feel? Really? Do you, do you know that <clears throat> the cartoon where you know I, people's eyeballs turn into money signs <clears throat> and they cha-ching? I mean, that's how most of us or, you know, most teams who think that it's a volume game use LinkedIn. They, they look around at the party and they say, who has the most money here? And then they go and try and sidle up to them and say, pay attention to me. And it's like, that's just, nobody even wants that. Is even doing that. And, they're and looking true, at, they're true, like, true, true, true. They're like, which room <laughs> has the most people that I can go in like, <laughs> just go around. And, it, you know, oh. if I just talk to enough people... You know, eventually my irrelevance will become relevant. Yeah, you take sticky notes and you just start slapping people on the forehead with them. Here's what I offer. Here's what I offer. Here's what I it offer. It feels like sometimes when you yes. get those invites. <laughs> You're like, why? Why? My and personal I, favorite uh -huh. is the why I'm amazing pitch. 
Oh, I love those. I love getting the why I'm amazing. Why pitches. am I amazing? Why am I amazing? Why am I amazing? Would you like to book a meeting to, so I can explain even more detail why I'm amazing? Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know why you're amazing to me. Like, you, what, or, why did you reach out? One of the recent series I've been doing on TikTok, and we've been laughing about this because we've both been getting these kinds of messages, where it's like this half-hearted take on personalization of like, love what you do. I broke this one down on uh, Tiki the other day of just like, this is an event message. Somebody messaged me off of, oh, and gosh. I guarantee it's like a copy-paste thing. So they hit the the send a direct DM and it says, love what you do. And the rest of it is just all about them. And I'm like, do you even know what I do? (laughs) Do you have any sense of what I do? Because I don't think you do. Uh, Love what you do is not, is the same thing as just slapping people with sticky notes at a party. It's it's all about you still. I just saw that we have a brand new audience member. Whoa. I don't know what's going on my voice here, but. Hey, Eric. I was just so amazed. But. I would love to go pull this up because it talks about what's the difference between email and oh. LinkedIn messages. And I think this is a good one as we're talking about the volume game. What is the difference? Eric, you're up late, uh, but welcome. Thanks for joining this morning. Eric asks, hey, everyone, 12 a.m. here in Singapore. My question is, how should LinkedIn outreach differ from email outreach for it to be successful? This is a chef's kiss of a question. Mm. And... Uh, oh, there's so many dimensions. Nick, where do you want to get started? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's fun. It's like, should I just give him like a moment pause and see if he'll keep going? Or no, nope, I'm going to kick it over to you. Don't worry. <laughs> Email is task driven. So you have to think about how what people use email for really. And email is a task driven communication channel. It's great for you to go work through tasks. LinkedIn is not task driven. It's socially driven. That is why there's first, second, third degree connections because it's all about your center of influence. That Mm -hmm. was the whole point. And then connecting with the right people to share your message. And so it's social first. And so the biggest difference is when you're going and reaching out, it needs to look like a text message. So it's really, really concise. With an email, you can do three to four sentences max. You could go on first outreach. Yeah. On first outreach, you'd be like, hey, Morgan, observation, question, social proof, soft call to action. Done. Because mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're starting a conversation. LinkedIn, it's even shorter. You could ne- you don't want to go and send all of that. You might get away with it in a, in a DM if it has a really good observation that you need a little more information. But it, it got to be really simple. Hey, Morgan, I just love that piece of content that you created. What, where the hell did that idea come from? Mm, great conversation starter. Nothing else needs to be asked. And then go. Yeah. The whole point is it's inspiring or igniting a conversation where email is inspiring or igniting a task or a meeting. Mm-hmm. So social is actually further down the line. And that's why a lot of sales enablement doesn't work on social. Because sales enablement is further down the pipeline, mid to end. Right. Where social is closer to the start top of funnel. And so this is why we have to go and pump the brakes a little bit. Well, another thing that comes to mind is like if I was sitting down with a person, um, like in person, I was at a networking event, I was at a business function or whatever, would I have the conversation saying, hey, Nick, 
literally sitting down face to face. Hey, Nick, I saw that your company just raised a Series A funding round. The last time that I blah, 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 social proof, social proof, social proof, would you be interested in a further conversation? That doesn't make any sense to do in person. That's just like, it's just blah, right? It's just word vomit with the person. Instead, you want to have an actual conversation like what Nick is pointing to. And so instead of thinking about how can I generate a meeting off of my first message, it's how do I get a conversation and a relationship started off of my first message? Because then you can actually have a meaningful conversation through DMs, through content, and the meeting doesn't have to get booked the first time you reach out to them. In fact, it probably shouldn't. And We'll talk about that myth actually uh, in a little bit. But, uh, you know, you want to build that trust uh, with the person. And so when I, you know, when we don't really do email outreach, but when teams that we've seen do email outreach, a lot of it is because uh, you don't have trust with the person. The, the, the person doesn't know you if you're doing cold outreach, right? They don't see your face. They don't really know what company you're a part of. They don't see your tagline. And all of those things they see when you're reaching out on LinkedIn. And so the question that we invest a lot of time on cold email outreach into the content of the message because there's no trust. There's, there's nothing there for us to like say, oh, I know who this person is. We need to get their attention and call them to action. But on LinkedIn, it's different. They can see our face. They can click our profile. They can learn more about us. And we don't have to call them to action immediately. We can just build trust on the front end because that's the privilege that a social network affords us. And we should use it. We should use it. And there's actually advantages <clears throat> to pumping the brakes in terms of trust at scale. Because mm-hmm. when you're having conversations out in public, other people can see and if you get trust by association. So that's also another thing to consider. The more you're doing behind closed doors, the harder you're going to have to work. If you're doing everything behind closed doors, but it's not private, you're working harder than you need to. Yep. Chris threw an interesting comment um, in said, I often don't even ask a question in a LinkedIn DM. It's fine to say, just got the new episode. You two are great. Great conversation starter. A lot of this stuff, we, okay, so this is kind of funny. We overthink this. <laughs> we overthink the ways that we do LinkedIn conversations. It's like, We have a network. Now, our target audience is the the whole network, but we have a network of 800 million people at our disposal here. And all it is is relationship building, right? It's it's like, oh, I want to get to know you more. What what happens when you build a good relationship with a colleague? What happens when you build a good relationship with a a romantic partner? Well, you pay attention. (laughs) You say, wow, that was so interesting. Hey, I just saw this article the last time we were chatting you had mentioned you were um, exploring new alternatives to you know XYZ. I just saw this article and I thought of you. Here you go. That's it. That's what we would call a value deposit, formally speaking. But like that's just a relationship. So all you're doing is you're just you're just building a relationship. That's all you're doing. Want to jump to hyper personalized, highly irrelevant invites? <laughs> since 100%. we're kind of on that. <laughs> so. My favorite (laughs) invite I ever get follows this formula, which sounds a lot like, hey, I saw you play golf. One time I visited uh, a golf course in the eighth grade. Do you want to buy my product? (laughs) Because I'm amazing. Because I'm amazing? (laughs) Book a meeting to find out why I'm more amazing than you even realize. Uh Oh, my God. Always the (sighs) same thing. Something I saw 
Mm-hmm. Hey, you drink beer? I don't like beer, but I think beer's great. Uh, Nick, this is why I'm amazing. We should book a meeting so you can learn how really amazing I could be with you. It's just such a lost what? opportunity. That's the thing. Like, there's, it's just such a lost opportunity. Well, I think because people assume that mm-hmm. because they deem their product great, that people should want to hear about it. And I get that. That's why you post content. Is that the right, there's a better way of doing that. That's, you know, we've gone over that in other episodes. But the reality is, why are you reaching out now? And why me? This is why I love the, why why you, why now? Mm-hmm. If you can't answer those two questions, you're not going to be relevant and it's not going to resonate. That's it. If you can't do those two things, don't worry about scaling. Mm -hmm. And I would say the thing that people mess up the most is why now? We can all answer the why you to, to some degree. We can say, well, we've helped financial directors like yourself and other companies. We can say, well we help companies right after they raise their series A. So we can say why you, but why now is different. Why now has to do with timing. And Kyle Williams, who's a friend of ours and will be on the podcast soon enough, talks a lot about, which is a hot take and something that I'm still mulling over, but I think I agree with, which is that you actually can't determine relevance. Relevance is fixed. You have no power over relevance. Relevance is a function of timing and context. So it's all in the buyer's eyes. When you approach them, are you relevant to them? That's all on them. It's all in where they are in their world. It has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with your messaging. It has nothing to do with your product. It has nothing to do with what you have to offer. It has everything to do with where are they in their life. And this is... And this is why you have to answer why now, because why now is how you connect relevancy, right? It says, why at this point in time am I reaching out to you? And and the answer should not be because you have a lot of money. And that's the answer most people use. They say, hey, we just saw you raised a series B. Do you want to buy our product? That's not a why now answer. A why now answer sounds more like, hey, saw you raised a series B. We helped, we saw, observation, with five other companies that we helped in Series B that they're struggling to translate from small go-to-market teams to big go-to-market teams. And our software helps enable your product managers um, do this. Is that something you're seeing? Because that's the connection for relevance, or however that needs to get worded. right? And your messaging creates resonance, as Kyle would say. It helps create attention. But ultimately, answering why now comes down to why at this point in time am I reaching out to you other than the fact that I just want to sell you my thing? And that is the mistake so many people make when using LinkedIn. That's why social selling doesn't work for most people because they try to rush a process that takes time. Mm-hmm. And they try to rush the process that you're better off not to rush so that you could speed up your pipeline. Right. And this is also like automation as we were talking about. This is why automation fails. It's because if you send out a thousand messages... Nobody's going to bite, first of all, uh, or like one person will respond. That's the numbers that we're seeing. It's it's pretty bad. Uh, but that's because you you're you're just targeting based on somebody's profile. You're not answering why now. Why am I reaching out to you, Nicholas? Hey, I just saw. Hey, you know, I just saw that uh, uh, you launched a new company. Do you want our software? That's not a why now. <laughs> I had somebody reach out to me not too long ago. 
when we had started that, like when we first started the company and they had a something around the lines of we help, we help uh, management consultants um, do something with programming. I can't remember the exact message, but then mm. they threw in so really, really good social proof that was highly relevant to our company. And I'm like, okay. And, but it had just closed. Oh, so it was why now on their side, mm-hmm. but why now on our side as well? We just closed this. We think that we could take that knowledge and really accelerate what you guys are doing. And I'm like, that's good. <laughs> I was like, shit. That's really good. <laughs> we definitely had a meeting and we had a, it didn't, wasn't, wasn't quite what we were looking for, but it was like, damn. But they nailed the why you, why now? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the difference between there was a comment um earlier on I think in the chat about like personalization versus relevancy and I don't remember the, why but like uh, so I think personalization is overblown um because we end up in all of this highly irrelevant personalization and relevance as we're at least arguing today has nothing to do with what you have to offer or how you position your offer. It has everything to do with where the buyer is in their life cycle, in their stage of growth, which is always relevant, right? It's always about where is the buyer. And chances are, if you can nail who, who, and you can nail why, which is the why you why now, then personalization isn't... (laughs) I mean, like, does it matter? Yeah, sure, you want to connect with somebody. But the whole formula changes. Yes, you could do personalization. It's a great way to make a friend. Mm, mm -hmm. But only if you want a friend or somebody to be in your audience. The moment that you have a double standard or you... um, What's that stupid term when you go and give somebody one offer and then you bait and switch? Oh, bait and switch, yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. It's just a different version of bait and switch when you befriend someone to sell them. And it's ugly and horrible. And so when you're doing a, there's a power line, like who owns the PL, who can make decisions, who's managing the top line, bottom line and risk management. Mm-hmm. What they want to know is what's the business case. When we get into below the power line, they're in their day to day looking at what they're doing and they're feeling the friction of shit not getting done or <laughs> things getting in their way of doing good work or getting a promotion. You can be personal with them because they like when you are real mm-hmm. because they don't care about the business. They mm-hmm. care about what they're doing. So it's about them. Mm-hmm. When you move up the ladder, they're responsible for more people. And so it's about the business case. And so it actually varies in, in as you go. And the, the per, true personalization, hyper-personalization for an executive is the business case based on evidence. Mm-hmm. That observation with like tangible evidence that you found somewhere that you can reference for them of why you reached out. They don't care that you went and stalked their whole like Twitter feed and you're like, I realize that you have three children. One loves purple and green. The other person does this and your wife, you know, prefers (laughs) pearls over diamonds. He's like, that is creepy and highly irrelevant. Congratulations on wasting your time because it's not what he's judged on. People will focus on what they are judged on. And so if they're not judged on, well, they might be judged at home on that, but it doesn't help the business. So Mm -hmm. you have to set yourself up for a good conversation. And when you set it up in the right way, it naturally flows and it's not forced. 
Yeah. Could we throw up D'Alessandra's question? And then I see we have Ciro and some Frankie stuff. So this is sort of a great continuation of this. D'Alessandra asks, how can we be more relevant to our audiences? And I have a quick story on this. Um, this is just sort of like a, a, a great mental model. So uh, Andrea Zollner is her episode will be live on the podcast, but I had interviewed her. She's the VP of marketing at a, at a managed WordPress hosting company called Kinsta. And I was so frustrated because every time I would search something, Kinsta would show up. Like their content marketing engine is just unreal. Like even the other day, I searched for LinkedIn's post debugger and Kinsta came up before LinkedIn's link on my end at least because the algorithm knows I like their site, which is just unbelievable. And uh, so I asked her, I was like, well, how do you think about this? Like, what, how do you think about connecting with your audience when you're just like a word, when you're just a hosting provider? And she's like, well, you know, we have our core competency. We have our, our core topic of hosting environments and comparison deals and all the rest of it. And we built a lot of content, but the reality is you eventually run out of topics. It's just, the, the name of the game. There's just not much more you can post. And so she said, we started to think about what are the other things that our customers, people like us, people who want the things we offer, are thinking about as they search. And now this is an mm-hmm. SEO strategy, but this mental model, this framework can work for stuff like LinkedIn as well, which is what are the other things that they're thinking about? What are the other things that they're searching for? So for example, for their like cheaper plans, people are thinking about how to... Um, spin up an e-commerce site? How do you create a directory listing? How do you do both technical and non-technical things? And now the universe of topics is a lot bigger. So for example, even in our work, Nick, yes, we have our core competency, but then there are some other things that we know our audience is thinking about that we can speak to. And so relevant is still dependent on what the buyer needs and what the buyer wants and is looking for, but we are tailoring our strategy, our go-to-market around those needs and all of our content and all of our marketing, et cetera. So that's at least a first step. I always love going through job descriptions (laughs) and looking at whether they they take pride in it or not, what are they they expected to do? Because it's expectations. Missed expectations causes the most problems of anything else because it's miscommunication. And it doesn't matter who causes it. It's it's just a problem. And so if you look at who they're hiring, one of the fun things to look at too is if they have a, like a LinkedIn job description, kind of like the old school, Oh, this is what I do. But then you yeah. look at the new hiring job descriptions and see how it's changed. That's a fun conversation. That's worked really well. But another thing to keep in mind, guys, is you can also, another way to be highly relevant is to join the conversations they're already having. Just something to think about for comments to meetings. Mm -hmm. That's why it works. Mm -hmm. Um, I know we have more questions, but uh, I really want us to get to the second myth because it's probably one of the funniest things. Do you Uh, want to do one more question? Is there one quick one that you want to go through? Because you you had mentioned. Oh, um, Sarah before D'Alessandra. The... We uh, well, Sarah been... starts with saying, we've been kindly, he says he's laughing as he writes this, pitch slapping prospects <laughs> within their target audience. And they all end up in a send me an email and I'll look it over bucket. And then he follow ups and asks, in the spirit of helping my team members, what would you guys do? Not pitch slap them. I think that's a start. <laughs> they're, they're telling you what they're thinking. Yeah. 
what you said is irrelevant. Yep. And I don't care. And so instead of there, you know, maybe if something you throw in that email in the first sentence, because that's all the preview shows, the, t- the title in the sentence, maybe I'll read it. And so this is what happens. We delay, and a lot of people will call that now in pipeline. Right. And so now you look at how long your sales cycles are, and you just extended it by three to six months because now you're having to justify your existence. Nobody should ever have to do that. So you got to pump the brakes and you need to go and look at what are their jobs to be done? Are you going, are we going to go bottom up? And are we doing some fact gathering to go and figure out what the hell is going on in their life that the business owners or the P&L holders don't realize is really expensive, but they're saying it's good enough? Or you're going straight to the top because you have that evidence already there in your back pocket. You're like, hey, we saw that uh, you just, you know, in the last year, you only lost one salesperson, but in the last month you lost 13 you're probably wondering what the hell. Yeah. Well, we spend a lot of time figuring out what the hell causes that. And we did it for so-and-so social proof. Be interested in diving into it. Mm-hmm. And actually I, uh, Sarah, I have this great example, which is not a particular like sale, but it's a good process where recently I had a guy connect with me and he had his opener, his connection request had just said, I'm loving the short form video TikToks you're doing. Wanted to stay in touch, which is great. And I was like, cool, that's sort of soft. I like the validation psychological response. So I hit accept and said, thanks for connecting. And not like half an hour later, he had followed up and said, hey, I have something to send you. Is this the right email? So it was almost like a permission-based opener. And I was like, all right, I'm going to see. You know, (laughs) I was like, sure, whatever. The email opens with a joke that says, don't worry, this isn't one of those sales emails, winky emoji, which is chef's kiss, just to sort of break the ice, and then talks all about the stuff that I've been doing. It's so clear that this person spent time looking at what I was doing and threw in a screenshot of a TikTok that I had recently Mm, done. And said, show me you know me. Show me you know me. And it was just, I was like, oh, wow, this this guy really paid attention. And then he dove into the, um, the reason I'm reaching out is, and sort of went into the pitch. <laughs> Nick's face, just, that was so good. It must not be good coffee anymore. Not um, anymore. <laughs> Once upon a time. <laughs> but that's an example of multi-threading that's really effective, but it's also highly indirect. And so maybe there are other ways, like what Nick was pointing to, to make it more direct, depending upon who you're going after. Um. Okay. One thing I'll just add on this, Sarah. If you're going, if you're trying to refer to tactics to go in as a saving grace, maybe look at why they're on the list in the first place. If you can figure out why they're on the list in the first place, that is the best place to start on how to approach them. Because if there's the better that criteria is to end up on that list, and, and know why they shouldn't be on that list. 100%. Why Try now? To find at least three or four reasons why people should are just a bad fit. Complete red flags. And then we said in the last episode, I, w- I found out that top performers usually use eight to 16 filters to go and make that list. Why them? Why now? Then you'll get to why you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. hopefully that helps. And if you need more help, shoot me a DM. Mm-hmm. 
All right. You ready so, for my favorite? Nick, this is such a good one. <laughs> so this, this this comes from a joke with Nick Bennett on Twitter, actually. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about how annoying it is with gated content. And it's like simple, like basic knowledge, but well-written and well-structured. They mm-hmm. always want to gate it. Well, the problem is I'm not ready to buy. So it's the stupidest time to go and gate that because you're basically like, I don't want you to, I don't want us to be first to insight. I want to create barriers. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote back to him. was like, yeah, but you know, you got to get to page three or else, you know, I can't, I can't go and send you relevant information. And so we were joking back and forth and I was like, but on page four, <laughs> you upgrade to the generational sequence. <laughs> What's the generational sequence, Nick? <laughs> it's when you opt in not for yourself, but uh-huh. where you're now opting in for them to nurture your children through life. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Oh my God. The number of gated content pieces where they just continue to, it's like, are you sure you don't want access to other people in my life here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> am I relevant now? Yeah. <laughs> I see the titles. Am I relevant now? This one time back in Bandcamp. I did this. People don't care. Like, oh my gosh! But uh, one of the mistakes. I mean, this is a myth, which is that people uh, pay attention to your sequences. And look, in 2012, when I was doing web design and social media and like email sequences, yes, they did. That was the magic of it. We were like, holy cow! We were getting loved it tons of results off of these email sequencers because it was this natural drip campaign. It was all automated, um, you know, the new technology on the field. And then you could, you know, cross-populate, you could cross-populate data pixels. So then you could trigger email opens or email campaigns based on a Facebook pixel interaction. And like, yeah, but we're literally a decade later. It is not working anymore. It doesn't work. It's a myth just preloading people into sequences based on your gated content or even based on LinkedIn is not a good idea. And chances are, in my view, if you're doing that and you're sort of set up people in like a spreadsheet manually or through automation to automatically follow up with them and say, hey, you want my thing? Hey, you want my thing? Hey, you want my thing? Hey, here's another thing. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. That isn't really relevant that they never maybe even signed up for. They're just going to be pissed off. They're not going to be happy. And we've built pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. Like anything in life, it earns a reputation. Email has a reputation. Email that we don't want has a reputation. And our brains are smarter than us sometimes. And we get like gut feelings where it's like, mm, delete. Mm-hmm. Because we're seeing the patterns that this is just going to try and sell me shit I don't want. And especially if the title on the top and that first line doesn't say why I'm why me? Why now? And I think the one thing that the success rate of people booking meetings is like 78% on average for the first email. And it goes down with each email. Mm-hmm. And you can use tricks really is what they are to go and use like Justin Michaels spears mm-hmm. where you reply back and you actually thread your each email. And so you might write thoughts. So just so it bumps up to the top of their email And then you might do a visual because our brains process visuals with more impact than they do text. And then when you go to the next part of that sequence, it has to be a different problem. Mm. 
every company only has two, max three that customers hire them for. Everything else is a know and grow that happens later as they're earning more trust and building that relationship. Two or three. So your sequences are going to only be max three plus a breakup email, which we won't even get into yeah. today, but, but something to, just something to consider. And the way this translates a lot in LinkedIn is that um, if you took a timeline and you measured the time between somebody becomes your connection and the time that they close as a deal and you divided it in the center, you looked at where did they enter pipeline? Meaning not were they a lead, were they somebody we could sell to, but they were a qualified deal. Like they, they're qualified. The chunk of... First awareness, first connection to qualified deal and pipeline is going to be a lot longer than cold email, cold calling, or whatever. And the reason is you're spending all of this time building a relationship with them through your content, through your comments, through your conversations. And that means the time is very different and the ways that you nurture that relationship is very different than traditional marketing or traditional sales. Because now it's a, it's a conversation. It's a relationship. If you – this is an opinion. We don't have – I have some data behind this, but it's more just like a psychological response, which is if you're using DMs as like a drip campaign method where you're pulling up 10 or 20 of your target accounts – and you're copying and pasting the same message on a sort of timed sequence. Uh, can we, can it, we break this down even further? Like sure, yeah. This doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's let's do that. DMs are text messages. Mm-hmm. The whole format of a DM is like a text message. It's not pleasant to read. The reason why a lot of shitty marketing, where they go on HubSpot or Hootsuite and they go and write the old school like Twitter way or you'd have the headline and then the, the shortened link doesn't work because we naturally want to consume in feed. Mm-hmm. Any, any robust information, anything outside of a conversation needs to be in feed and that's how we consume. And it's kind of that surprise and delight. It's, it's a, you know, either people are getting to trust you because you were the first to insight and now that you surprise and delight them so they're coming back for more. Or you're just having a conversation in the DMs one short sentence at a time. We have to also look at the way that we consume naturally and easily. When we make friction just on how we write stuff, like the people that do the big chunky text on LinkedIn, that used to be okay. Yep. But because the way the formatting is either on our phones or even on like different feeds, it's really hard to read and you get lost really easy. So people... You haven't earned the right for them to work hard. And this is kind of where we have to remove all that friction. So going and doing those sequences, why not just go and tell stories and have fun with content in feed? And this is becoming selfless as a salesperson Mm. and as a content marketer. This isn't about you. And this is like if I could have a sign behind me during these live shows, I would say this isn't about you because it's not It's about your buyers. 
It's about what your buyers want. And, and you know, let's be honest, as much as we can prognosticate up here about what works and what doesn't, and we have lots of data to drive what works and what doesn't, there's going to be particulars in your specific industry with your specific audience that might be different. Maybe certain words resonate with them. Maybe certain styles resonate with them. That's for you to figure out because it's all about the buyer. It's what the buyer needs. One of the 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 I don't know if it's a dirty little secret, but it is a secret of the branding industry is that all the greatest brands have nothing to do with the brand itself. It has everything to do with the buyer and what the buyer needs. The reason that Apple continues to be successful is not because they're the most innovative product company on the world. It's because they deliver a product that provides status and the people that they sell to get status. They get the blue little iMessage bubbles instead of the green texts. They get the feel of the iPhone. They get to tell other people they use the iPhone. There's all of these sorts of things that the product provides what the buyer wants. And so we have to serve the buyer, however that works, however that it's not about you. And so if your buyer wants to passively consume content for eight months, do that. <laughs> like if, if your buyer wants to uh, engage in the comments, which uh, we're listing out things that lots of buyers want to do, then engage in the comments. If, you're, if your buyers want to have conversations offline because they don't want to spend the time back and forth in LinkedIn DMs, tailor your outreach cadences and your calls to action to getting on the phone or having a Zoom call instead of you know, going back and forth. It's all, and Sandra just commented this, yes, the user experience is the priority. It's all about the user experience. I want to go and answer this one next. Okay, so she also asks, how can we replicate... The Slack workflows on LinkedIn, I'd like to send docs automatically if it's in fact. You don't. Yeah. Plain and simple. But what you can do is you can opt them in. And you can, if you have any of the premium subscriptions, I think it's, I can't remember, I know SalesNav has it, and then Premium Business, I think it is. Mm. But you can do an autoresponder for like an, almost like an out of office. And what you can write in there, hey, We've developed this resource for frequently asked questions. Please go over here and you can get them to opt in. So then you're taking that experience to somewhere where it can be more asynchronous and automatic. So it's self-serve. LinkedIn is never supposed to be self-serve unless it's content. It's a social network. It's meant for engagement. It's meant to be human. It's meant to share. It's meant to enjoy. Mm -hmm. That, and so that's kind of the, my bridge that I like because I've seen a couple people use that to promote podcast episodes, which maybe we should do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on a side note. Uh, I've had people put their meeting schedule in there because and they give you criteria what to book a meeting, but they'll also give you criteria of how where to like self-serve. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's brilliant. But we got to be careful why we're automating. If we're just trying to make it easier for us, Yeah, the buyer doesn't care. We really, really got to consider what is in the buyer's interest. And when we go and switch, and I won't get too deep into this, but if we switch our sales process to a buyer enablement process and we watch the triggers, the motions, the why change, why now, as they're developing and kind of breaking down that mental model, we can support them on that journey. But as soon as we put ourselves first, you're going, I have a quota. You need to go and buy this shit now so that I get paid and I don't lose my job. Because that that's that's the KPI. Freakonomics says that we will adjust by what we are um, judged on. Mm -hmm. But 
so are the people that we're talking to. So figure out what they're judged on, provide an experience. Yep. Yeah, everything is just about orienting our process to what our buyers need. And on LinkedIn, the mistake that we make is that we try and pretend as if it's email or as if it's something that we can drive a lot of traffic on. And and again, from the the awareness to pipeline, most of the time on LinkedIn is going to be time to pipeline, right? That's most of the deals that come off of LinkedIn. And mm-hmm. then the time in pipeline is going to be pretty short. And if you they think through, you. They, they know you. you. They know you're relevant. They know you're credible. They've almost self-qualified, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've seen your content. They've seen your comments. They've talked with you. They know what you offer. They have all of these insights. They've gone to your website. They've done the research. Hopefully, praise, your marketing team has ungated all of the content and the pricing. And they don't have to talk to a salesperson to... to Book a demo, which is really a discovery call, not a demo. And hopefully, hopefully. And so the time <laughs> in pipeline is actually really short. So the mistake that most uh, companies make that we have talked to and work with is that they think it is in their interest to try and accelerate how fast somebody gets into pipeline, how fast somebody becomes a qualified deal. And it is not in your interest to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's super counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. But the longer they take to get into pipeline and that they get to your discovery, the faster it goes because you're not having to go, boxes are already checked. And so you can just go zoom through the whole process. And what's really interesting is you can even ask them, and I, I have tested this quite thoroughly. You'll have somebody that's been following your content for three plus months. Ask them, why me? Of all the people you could have worked with, why me? Why me? And they'll have an answer for you Mm -hmm. because you've earned the right to ask or you've earned the right to work with them because you've been their, their inspiration. You've been their resource. And so now we don't have to do that in the sales process, which is what we always got taught. Do everything in pipeline. Do everything in discovery. Rapport is not built in the meeting anymore. Rapport is built on social. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that way when we go to the meeting, we are just moving them through that process to help them make a better buying decision. Can we, um, I have a myth. It's not on our agenda today, but it just popped into my head and it's such a good one, which is, so a lot of people think this. Content is about self-promotion. <laughs> Content is about growing a followership. Content is about gaining attention. It's not. <laughs> I don't know. And, and I'm going to use content loosely here so we have a, an all-encompassing conversation. I think of content as the things that you post and the things that you comment. And so the mistakes across the board is that we make all of the content about us and all the amazing things that we're doing and then we pitch or shadow pitch in the comments and we always talk about our companies and i see this all the time and i know you see this all the time too we're on some like influencer account somebody will comment something and then some poor sdr will uh, respond and say oh well our company solves that do you want to have a chat and i always wince i'm like oh it's one way, I suppose. Uh, it's, it's not my preferred way because it's inserting ourselves into a conversation and saying, look at how great we are. And your buyers don't care. Your buyers care about the content and, and the, um, uh, the value that you're providing. And so the more that you can have just honest and authentic conversations, Cynthia comments, and it's gross. 
full snaps oh, to that. Yeah. Like it's so uh, it's just uh, it's just weird. And like it, you're jump starting to like why I'm amazing, right? But you haven't earned the right to pitch. Like if you if everybody embraced vampire sales, yeah. If somebody could please God think of a better name than this because it's it's not. My <laughs> but it's so good. It makes sense. <laughs> By folklore, vampires were not allowed in your home unless you invited them in. Don't pitch unless you're invited. And then, so people are like, so what the, what the hell do I talk about? I'm like, well, why change? Why now? You know, like yeah. the whole like qualify piece. What do you mean? Well, why would they change? Are they mentally ready to make that change? Or you're going to have to go and change, force that change. Mm-hmm. If you have to force anything, stop. You're wasting too much energy. So have those conversations that inspire change or like suss out or like, are you happy with this? How does this compare with what you're doing? Like, that's where the, like the, well, it's like Morgan as a host. Morgan is a fantastic host when it comes to the podcast. He's so naturally good at it. And you, you're like, well, why, why is, what's the difference? It comes down to the quality of the conversation because of the quality of the questions. Mm. If you want to have better conversations and comments that book meetings, ask better questions, make bolder statements that are not about you. I appreciate that, Nick. That means a lot. But honestly, I think a lot of sellers would benefit of thinking themselves, and this is not as 100% certainty, but this could be a useful mental model, as almost like a partnerships manager or a partnerships director. So instead of thinking about how do I sell to this person, it's are we the right fit for a partnership? And those sorts of questions that you ask, sort of scoping each other out, and I did partnerships work for uh, um, a couple of years, which is sort of just like, are we the right fit together? Does it make sense for us to work together? Are we on the same wavelength? Is the timing right? Do you have the resources necessary? Do we have the resources necessary? The more that we adopt this attitude that instead of trying to get their money, we're assessing if they were the right fit for each other. The quality of our questions are upgraded because now we're genuinely asking like, hey, what's going on in your world? Are we the right fit? Hey, Morgan, do I want to work with you for at least the next two years? Yeah. So when I used to sell insurance, Mm. I never realized until like reflecting back how much this changed my perspective of business development, like new business. So we got paid up front. But if they canceled in the first two years, we had to pay 100% of our commission back. And so I had, when I was going through the process, they were excited and they wanted to buy. I'm like, shit, how much? Like, is this how much do I want to bet on this that they're not going to cancel? Like, do they really understand the need? Is it something that makes sense to them? And I had to really step into their shoes or else I was paying money back. And it really changed the way I qualified and then quantified the problem because it's no fun working for free. And it's it's a horrible experience for everyone involved because you just pushed your own agenda. Totally. Well, and, and that goes for... As we engage with people in the DMs, we also, I think, rush to try and get a meeting. And this has happened to me a number of times, which is somebody will have a conversation. They'll reach out to me with a fairly good opener, props, and then we'll have a conversation and then they'll cut the conversation short and say, well, if this is of interest to you, here's my meeting link. And it's Uh... like, what a missed opportunity. (laughs) 
What a missed opportunity. They, like, because they, like, you have them. put up on that pedestal and then you you're like, then you knock it out from underneath them. You're like, just kidding. <laughs> because let's run the psychology of this really quick. In my mind, I'm still scoping out if you're the right fit and we're doing it casually over text in DMs, okay? I need much more information. The pattern match we have is if I get onto a sales call, if I get onto a call, it will be a sales call. So I'm the buyer assessing, am I ready for a sales call? And all the data we have right now is that 87% of the buyer's journey happens before the sales call. So if you have just reached out to them and you're immediately moving them to a booked meeting, you are trying to accelerate 87% of the buyer's journey in four or five messages, and that's not going to help you. <laughs> well, you might even be killing it before they tell the rest of the people about it. Totally. So most companies aren't making decisions in isolation anymore, mm -mm. depending on what size of company you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So if you jump into a meeting and they haven't told anyone else that this is the problem that's going on, more deals die on the boardroom table going from, hey, I have a, I have a big problem that we should probably deal with. Morgan, do you agree that I have this problem? No, it doesn't align with my priorities for this quarter. Dead. And it's done. Mm -hmm. And so unless you're educating people as a whole and inviting them in to learn as a team so that everybody understands the business case, it's done. But now you've booked them in a meeting. You're doing discovery with that one person. Mm -hmm. So you're you're rolling the dice and the odds are very much against you. Yes. But let the odds be forever in your favor. Ever in your favor, I guess. Um, actually, Dan Mott, who uh, you can listen to on episode 61 of the podcast, had this great sort of um, conversation formula. Well, formula is the wrong uh, art. He called it the art of casual conversation. But a lot of what he does with um, people who he's talking to is, as we've been saying, continue to ask questions. And all he's doing is feeling it out. Is this the right person? What else do they need to know? What, you know? what sorts of questions are they asking? What sorts of problems are they identifying? Are those the problems? And are they saying it in ways that I could help? And then if, if the timing is right in a conversation, he says, well, I could help you solve that problem. Would you be interested mm. in a call to talk about that? And that is, uh, hey, Kyle. <laughs> but how perfect is that for this exact conversation? Yes. Perspective is over pitches. Mm -hmm. Dan brings a perspective that people respect. Yep. Therefore, it moves the process forward. Right. And so our job as sellers using LinkedIn is to continue to provide that perspective. And so if you're trying to book a meeting in the first five messages on LinkedIn, you're doing it wrong because they have no insight. They don't understand you. They're probably going to be turned off. That's why when we think about the, the layers of LinkedIn and we have 10 layers of LinkedIn that we've detailed before. Um, one of them is about your content. Because if you connect with somebody and you're having DMs, LinkedIn's algorithm will prioritize your content to those people that you're having active conversations with or the people who have engaged with you previously. And so the reason that you create content is not just for self-promotion. It's to connect with people at scale. <laughs> what? It's to build trust at scale. Who said? <laughs> Crazy, I know. You can't be in every meeting. We all have 24 hours in a day. We're asleep for a third of them. We don't have enough time. Well, hopefully we're asleep for a third of them. We don't have enough time 
to book every meeting with every person. And so the ways that we build trust, the ways that we create value, the ways that people go that 87% of their buyer's journey without you, without a sales call, is through content. That's the magic. And even if you're not being tracked on it, this will slow your roll for a max of three to four weeks. Max. Max. Because oh, if you're max. commenting and using like using the influencer strategy, using the comment strategy, finding those rele- relevant conversations, nurturing through content, it'll slow you down for three to four weeks while people learn what you're about. Yes. And now you're compounding because now you're going to get people coming to you. You're going to reach out to people and they're going to know who you are and know what you're about. And now you achieve trust at scale, which then moves to meetings. Or you can go and dial for dollars and hope to hell on a, you know, throw out those Hail Marys every day (laughs) and do it that way. And there's nothing wrong with cold calling, but if it's your primary platform and that list is not vetted, this is, it's, it doesn't matter what platform you're on. You're going to go nowhere fast. Can I make a little bit of a meta observation? Um, Uh Uh-oh. I I think this is important for us to sort of contextualize. The reasons that lots of companies prefer direct accelerated outreach on LinkedIn is because they're in survival mode and they don't have consistent revenue. And so when, when, and maybe you work for one of those companies, right? Uh, (laughs) uh, So if you're a seller and you're being pressured by your boss to try and connect with as many people as possible and try to sell as many of them as possible, it is a reflection of upon the company, not upon you as a seller, that the company does not have a consistent and predictable way to achieve revenue. And so they're going to try and shortcut the process. What we're talking about today is this gradual acceleration. And we have lived this. I mean, this is our lived experience of that's crazy. Of building a business exclusively from LinkedIn organic and from, from what we've been talking about today. And it is gradual. But the reason it's gradual is because it's built on trust. And and if right now you try let's think about the pipeline metric at the end, you're trying to accelerate the front end of the pipeline. And so you're trying to just stuff your pipeline full of quote unquote qualified deals. In our book, qualification is like a one in five chance of closing. That's not the case at a lot of companies. Qualified deals, how long are they going to stay in pipeline? And when you take it a macro level, what is the difference? If Let's just make up some numbers for a second. If you spend three weeks to try and get a qualified deal in the pipeline, and then it takes six and a half months to close that deal, what if you spent five months pre-pipeline working on LinkedIn, building trust with people, and then those deals close in 30 days or 60 days? That's basically the same time in pipeline. And it's just moving that metric. Where am I qualifying? How, where am I getting a deal into a pipeline? Into pipeline? It's just changing the way that we're measuring and uh, performing in sales by using different methods uh, on LinkedIn. That makes way better use of your energy because you could just focus on qualification (laughs) and quantifying, aka discovery and demo, instead. Mm -hmm. And let them do their own thing in pipeline. (laughs) But there's something too funny that we have to share. Okay, yep. (laughs) Kyle, I know you're here. Mr. Uh Kyle Williams. Can you throw... (laughs) Can you throw your AI creation link? <laughs> this is so fun. In the in the comments, please, for everybody else to enjoy. You're, you guys, you're going to want to comment a few people in here. This is going to be memes for days. Yep. <laughs> You'll understand shortly. Morgan, 
would you like to either share your screen and show people a few and read them out or what? Sure. Um, you may need to, I don't know if I have screen sharing positions on my end, but um, basically in the spirit of April Fool's today, Kyle put together uh, memes for various B2B roles. He's just a friend of ours. I think this is one of the funniest projects um, that he's done. And he sort of claimed them, quote unquote, as F- NFTs. And so there's some hilarious job description quotes. And uh, he used the world's largest AI to create these, including, um, uh, let's see here. It's a little bit small because uh, I used my other screen. So a content marketing AI says, I was pleasantly surprised when my client said they loved my work, but then I realized they thought I was the intern. <laughs> Just so good. Um uh, demand gen AI. The leads are coming in hot, which is great. But when we try to reach out to them, they just dot, dot, dot disappear. Um, founders AI. I'm not sure if my startup is gaining traction or if I'm really good at faking it on LinkedIn. It's just like great across um, the board. So b2bme.me is where you can uh, claim these. It's pretty straightforward. If you wanted to share a post and follow Kyle's instructions, I thought this is one of the funniest projects I've seen recently. Uh, we both have. And um, you'll see a post from, I think, both of us later today claiming one of these as our own. <laughs> he thought it was just a typo, but our sales have been plummeting ever since. We started referring to our clients as human resources, <laughs> aka moving digital wallets. <laughs> it's just so good. Um, <laughs> I was trying, trying out the new product and it wasn't, wasn't working for me. Then I realized that I couldn't stop using Stop using, using it. it. <laughs> so... Um, Kyle, thank you for putting these together in the spirit of April Fool's um, b2bme.me, as in like b2b meme, and uh, go check it out and have some fun with them in the spirit of April Fool's. So, Damn it, that's a good one. Somebody's Somebody's already snagging the good ones. Um, All right, Nick, do we want to close out? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Nick's not okay. My leads are, he's, my leads he's are having coming too much in fun. hot, which is great. But when yeah. we try to reach out to them, they just disappear. It's just so. Uh... <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Kyle went and shared that in the chat, guys. Yep. So definitely look at b2bme.me and uh, let, let us know what your favorite one is. If you post about it, please tag us. Yes, we'd love to see him. Uh, Nick, we've covered a lot of myths today. Thank you to everyone who has joined us. We're hosting a workshop Monday night at 5 p.m. Mountain Time. If you would like to join that workshop on this topic, please shoot us a DM. It'll be interactive. It'll be fun. It's a Zoom call instead of a LinkedIn Live. So you get to come in and ask questions that you have, work through maybe your own outreach sequences, figure out the ways to do content and commenting better. Can't wait to see you there. Um, Again, that's Monday nights. And... In case you can't make that Monday night time or you have other obligations or you're in a different time zone, shoot me a message and I'll get you into our Slack group where we have a lot of fun, cool people talking about a lot of fun, cool things uh, in this topic. So, and we have some excellent memes. We have some amazing <laughs> memes already. We're going to keep <laughs> memeing it up. Uh, so that's your jam. Shoot me a DM. I'd love to get you invited in. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us for this B2B Power Hour. We'll see you again next week. Friday, 10 a.m. Mountain Center time, same time every week. And in between, if you need help, feel free to reach out. We appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. 
Bye. Happy April Fools. <laughs> Bye. Did you love today's episode? Subscribe now to have our three weekly episodes waiting for you. And if you really like our content, please leave a five-star review. But if you're not ready to give us a review, check out another episode and follow us on LinkedIn. We'd love to win you over. See you next time. See you next time.